We're going to be in uh, Mark in chapter 4. Is that, is that too loud? Mark in chapter 4. We're continuing our message. The life of Christ, His early ministry, His teaching. And uh, I don't mean to be redundant, but I do want to emphasize some things. And it takes hearing it more than once. It does for me. I think it does for you. And so we're looking this morning at the life of Christ in his early teaching, in his early years. We saw him in Mark, and we're going through the gospel of Mark. And I believe with everything in me, expository teaching is the best way to learn the Bible. I believe we're going to ask the Holy Spirit in a minute to join us and to teach us. And a Holy Spirit teaching from an expository Bible teaching is the best way to learn what the Word of God has to say. I believe that. Hope you do. But we're not moving very quickly. You've noticed that. There's no reason, there's no reason to hurry. Uh, we're comparing Scripture with Scripture, which is a mandate. We're looking at the things that the Holy Spirit had to say through different people about the same events. These Gospels are to be read and put together, all authored by the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is infallible. It's inerrant. You believe that? It's the Word of God. And so we're going to have the privilege this morning together of looking through the Word of God at His infallible, inerrant Word, inspired of the Holy Spirit, through different writers, different hearts that had understanding and had faith. And we look at these passages this morning. I want to say to you this. I'm going very slowly through this section on purpose. This section changed my life. As a young preacher, as a young Christian, when I read the parable of the sower... And I saw two things in there that changed me forever. And I'm so grateful. I want you to get that. That's why I'm, I'm going slowly. That's why I've been repeating some things. The first thing the Lord said was, uh, the Bible says about the Lord in the, in the parable of the sower is, and he taught them in his doctrine. Now, there's a lot of teaching in the world. and a lot of people who believe they're scholars, and I've, I'm pretty hard on those people. I think there are more people who claim to be scholars than truly are. I think the claim of scholarship needs to be backed up by a little scholarship. And just the claim of it, I'm a scholar, why? I'm published, what does that mean? I typed something and signed it. You know what? The Lord has something written down on paper, black and white, and he put his name on it. And I want you to know with me this morning, this is the truth. There's a lot of exposition about the truth out there. Some of it's very good. Some of it's kind of sketchy, and some of it needs to be kindling. Some of it needs to start a good fire on a cold night where you can warm yourself. That's my opinion. But we have this, and the Holy Spirit says, through the lips of our Savior, he taught them in his doctrine. So that's a, that's a boy, your ears go up like a Doberman that's been clipped. You know, you, this is, I want to hear this. This is in his doctrine. And then he says, this is a parable. And they said, what does that mean? He said, if you don't know this parable you'll not understand any parable. Verse 13. If you don't understand this one, you won't understand any of them. And then it says this in the same chapter. And he taught them only by parable. He taught them in parable form. Parable laying one known thing against something unknown and comparing and contrasting. That's a parable. And I want you to know your life is a parable. It's good to understand parables. 
And so we have, as we open this passage, we have, I chose Mark on purpose. It's, it's a quick moving exposition. The word immediately is a key word in Mark. And immediately, and immediately, and immediately, John the Baptist, the forerunner, proclaimed him. The Lord identified him. This is my son. The Holy Spirit initiated him in the desert. And the Bible says in Mark only that he was there with a wild beast. You ever feel like you're in this world with some wild beast? I'm not talking about your home life. Don't look at your wife. Look at me. I'm talking about the world out there. We're with the wild beast, folks. Because we go back to James, and we go back to Peter, and we go back to Jude, and they, these people are sensual and beastly. Even some people that claim to be Christians in the church today are asking for, demanding, and protesting about things that are beastly. And they're calling it Christian activity. You decide. You decide. But I'm going to tell you this morning how we decide. It's with an understanding heart. This is a beautiful parable. Now what most people believe that I've, I've come across is the parable stops after Jesus says in verse uh, 21, and these are they which are sown in good ground. That's, not, that's the end of this particular parable, but the teaching goes on. What is the teaching? The teaching is of the kingdom, the principles of the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That's the teaching. What's the emphasis? Understanding the word, the seed, understanding the word. Now, this is so exciting to me that I have a hard time stopping, so we're going to stop right now, and we're going to ask the Lord to join us. And to quiet our hearts and to push out the cares of this world so that we might understand. Would you do that with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for who you are. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, all that we have and, and all that we are are because of you. Help us never forget that. Oh, we live day by day in and by your grace. We have life. We have all that we have because you said so. And so this morning we honor you. We worship you. Lord, before you we stand and we say clearly, we love you this morning. We love you because you first loved us clearly, but we love you because of your goodness. Even those times we don't understand what you're doing, Lord, you're good. Bless us this morning. Be with us. Just wrap your arms around each one listening this morning and give us the understanding of who you are. Lord, teach us, we pray. Open our hearts, minds, souls, our spirits. Open us. Enlighten and illuminate your word in our hearts, we pray. Lord, what a privilege it is to gather here in your name. What an honor it is to be called by your name. And what a joy it is to have you as our Lord and Savior. Thank you now for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. May we fully understand, may we truly understand and more fully understand. One day we're going to stand before you and give an account for this life. Help us to understand that's what matters. Lord, we just thank you now for being here. We're gathered in your name and your promises you come. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you ready? 
Are you ready? Here we go. <laughs> Hang on. Might use a, a damp towel on your ear from time to time. When one talks so fast, it will make your ears hot. Got a lot to say this morning. Got a short amount of time. Here's what I want to say. This is the teaching of the Lord. The teaching of the Lord. It's the first of his teaching that he chose by the Holy Spirit to fully give to us. And he said in the middle of his teaching, if you don't understand this, you'll not understand what I'm saying. And so we need to understand what this is all about. Now here's the series we're on and here's what I'm teaching you and here's what I've come to believe that changed my life. Here's what I, here's what I saw one day as a young Christian. And when you look up the topic, you'll find this. I didn't, I didn't, I'm not the first person to realize this and there's books written on it. There are sermons given. I never heard it and I never saw it before. As the Lord gave it to me. And this is what it is. Living a fruitful Christian life through the distractions of the deception of the devil. Can I tell you this this morning? If you can be distracted from the Lord's purpose in your life, you will be. If you can be distracted, you will be. And so the Lord gives his first parable. He gives his first parable, and I don't know, I don't know of the four hearts that receive the word. The stony ground, the hard ground, the good ground. I don't know who's saved and who's not there. I don't know. I'm not the judge, and aren't you glad? I know I'm glad I'm not the judge. I would judge more harshly than God does. I know that. But I want to say this to you. The one that he gave, the one that he gave uh, honor to was the heart, the one heart, the last heart that he said, this heart... And again, put your scriptures together. He said, this is the heart that will produce fruit. And who is it? Matthew says, Matthew says of the same parable, that this is an understanding heart. Mark says it's the good heart, the good ground. It's a good heart. You know what Luke said? Holy Spirit told him to say it, wrote it down. An honest heart. A good and honest heart will be the heart that receives the word and produces fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Now, do you want to produce fruit for, this, for the Lord in this life? Because I'm going to tell you what. Janet and I stood at a, a wooden box in a pretty cool cemetery on Friday morning. They contained the father of a family that was brokenhearted, and they said goodbye to their father. Can I tell you something? He knows more about the Lord today than I do. I asked him, was he a Bible student? They said, no. He didn't attend church. He was a, everybody that dies is a believer, you know. They're all going to the Lord. You read the paper. Everybody met the Lord, went home to be with the Lord. Everybody did. Cursed him while they were here, and they went right home. That's how it happened. But I said, was he a student of the Bible? They said, no. Has he go to church? No. He didn't see much use in it. But he knows more about Jesus than I do. He knows more about the Lord than you do. And can I tell you this? On the final exam, how much you left in your checking account doesn't matter. The square footage of your house and location of your address and 
Where you worked in the uh, certificates on the wall don't matter. The test is this. What did you do with the Son of God in your lifetime? What did you do? I gave you a life, and with that life, I gave you influence. How did you influence those people around you? Did you wear a smile because you were so glad to know who your father was? Did you share the joy of the Lord? Did you tell people about him? All of the scriptures say this. We end up in Matthew, 28 chapters, book of the kingdom. And he says this, now go ye in all the world. You know what he says in the 11th chapter? Come unto me. He says, come and learn. And then the last thing he says is go and teach. Come and learn and go and teach. Come and learn. Go and teach. Are you learning? Now, if you're learning for learning's sake, if you're learning just to be known as somebody that knows what this Bible says, well, good for you. But you're not going to pass a test. It's not a test so much about knowledge as it is about utility. What'd you do with that knowledge? Huh? What'd you do? The good, the honest, and the Lord finally says it's the understanding heart that produces fruit. The understanding heart. Do you understand what the Bible says? Boy, it scares me. So many people say, I read the Bible, I read the Bible, and you know what they tell me? This is true. I come to church, I'll say next week we're in the latter part of this chapter, and they'll say, I read it ten times, but when you stood up and just read that from the pulpit, it made more sense. And then when you started teaching, it came, I, I don't understand the Bible. I don't understand the Bible. Lord, that's, that's a black eye. That's a black mark on your credit card. You want to know why? Because the Lord promised, if you go to Proverbs in chapter 1, he said to the person that loves me, I'll pour my spirit upon him and make my words known unto him. If you love me, the Lord said, I'll pour my spirit on you and make my words known unto you. And that's a promise of God. What do I have to conclude from people who tell me I don't understand this thing? Now, if you're a brand new Christian, you got some room. We'll give you room. If you've been in the church, if you've been saved for 10 years and you don't know more about the Bible reading it on your own, Oh, I get on my knees, and before I put myself in bed, I, I get straight with God. I would. And so we continue this morning. We continue in this chapter, verse 21. Chapter 3, we found the distraction of the world through it Christ. We see the Pharisees and the Herodians. <laughs> who was that? The politicians. And the religions people got together. Oh, that's a new thought, isn't it? Still going on today. Religion and politics come together to destroy the truth. You can believe anything in this world except Jesus Christ now. You can believe, you can believe any hokey thing in this world except Jesus Christ, the truth. And you get by. But you mention Jesus Christ and you're bad. Oh, you're an evildoer. Satan hates that. He hates that. So the Herodians... And the Pharisees came together to distract the Lord. You know what he did? He went right through them. The next thing, his friends came and said, you're not even getting to eat. We better take you home. You're working so hard, you're not getting nourishment properly. And he moved along. The scribes came at him and said this, you have a devil. You have, you have Beelzebub, the devil. And the Lord said to those scholars, he said, you're ridiculous. 
And again, I want to warn you to tell someone who claims to be a scholar they're ridiculous will not make a friend. It doesn't help you make friends. And very few of them get straightened out with the, with the advice. But he had that distraction thrown at him. Was he distracted? No. And the last one came and he says, your mother and your brothers are outside. They couldn't even get to him for, for, the, for the crowd that was there. And he said, well, who are my mother? Who is my mother and who are my brothers? But you people in front of me who do the will of God. That's what Jesus did with distractions. And then we go to the fourth chapter. The fourth chapter, as he begins to teach, and here's how the fourth chapter begins after the distraction is thrown at the Lord. Here's what he says, and he began again to teach by the sea. What did he do with distractions? Nothing. He just kept preaching. What are you and I to do with distractions? See them for what they are. See them for what they are. And keep the faith. Keep going. And then it says immediately, and in his doctrine he taught the people. In his doctrine, he taught the people, and he taught them a parable and said this, if you don't understand this parable, you'll not understand any parable. And so we went through it. Now look at verse 21 with me. And, Mark is also a book of and. It's a, it's just a, it's a book of immediacy, and, and it's, a, it's an, actually a mathematical equation. It's a plus, 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 and, and, and. And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel? Or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither is anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man hath ears to hear, let him hear. You hear that? If any man hath ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear, shall more be given. Because for he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. And he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade and then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. And when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth forth the sickle, because the harvest is come. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. And without a parable spake he not unto them, but when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. I want you to think about that as we're talking this morning. It's that time alone with God when he teaches you. 
We come here this morning and with one corporate heart, if you're with me this morning, if you're believing with me, with one heart we say amen, you're, you're the Lord. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for being the God that loves us. Thank you. That's worship. We have community and corporate worship here this morning. But I'm telling you now, it's when you're alone with God that you're going to learn about him. You're going to be alone with God. How about that in any relationship? And you see, he didn't call us to a religion. He called us to a relationship. It's with anybody. It's with any person that you grow in your knowledge and understanding is your alone time with them. Hence what we call dating. Hence what we call, I like being with them. I want to be with them some more. And what is it? So what's wrong with these people who come to church, but they don't want to be with Jesus some more during the week? They don't want to be with him some more. You see that? A couple starts to date. And you're like, I don't know how he drives that car. She's on his lap. Get him married. She'll move over. Get married. She'll be over there looking like a tree frog stuck to that window. And let a few years go by when you can't hear anymore and she starts talking out that direction and asks you to respond. You're like, not only do I not know what you said, I didn't know you said it. You don't pay attention to me anymore. <laughs> I can't hear you anymore. It's a gift of God. I can't hear you. We talked about that last week. I'm not going to go into that. The silent treatment. Thank you again for that. The silent treatment. We applaud you. It's alone with God. It's alone with God. It's the night's. It's the nights when I was with God with tears running down my nostrils. Those are the nights that the Lord brought himself to me and showed me who he really is. Those are the nights. It's a long time with God. It's Jacob on the... It's Jacob wrestling with the Christ. Isn't it? How did he walk away from there? He limped upon, he halted upon his thigh. Why? Because no one gets touched by the Lord and walks the same. I'm telling you, these people are not being touched by the Lord, and they wonder why life isn't working like the Bible says. Why do I not receive the blessing I read of in the Bible? Because you won't get alone with God. The surgery is elective. Oh, that, that pruning knife is sharp. And the refining fire is hot. But the Lord doesn't make anybody go through it. Will you? The Lord said. All of this is by your will. Will you come unto me? Will you go out from me? Will you? Will you come to me in the darkness? Will you come to me and learn of me? Will you come and learn of me and then go out and teach of me? Will you? Will you? you don't have to. You don't have to. And we have a whole church in America to show us you don't have to. The Lord says, this thing shall be manifest. It shall be made manifest. Many Christians are Christians, the biggest secret they got. They're a Christian and they don't want anybody to know it. What's the, what's the deal? I'm telling you, I know from, from experience, it's a lack of alone time with this Christ. It's a lack of alone time. He took Abraham up on Mount Moriah. It's the place of shattered dreams. He took Abraham up on the mountain and said, that son you waited 98 years for. You waited 95 years for that boy. Now I want you to kill him. The darkness. Oh, the discipline of darkness. 
Ruth. She was there. And she had a wonderful life. And all of a sudden, her dreams were shattered. The Lord took her to Moab. You ever lost somebody? You ever laid in bed and told yourself, okay, i got to breathe. i got to take a breath now. I'm not breathing right. Because you're hurting so bad. I promise you, if you're a child of God, he's there. He's there. But you got to let him minister to you. Abraham, what happened there? Ruth, what happened there? The, the disciples ended up at Calvary, shattered dreams. And so they, you find now in Luke in 24, you find Luke in 24, what does it say? To this stranger they met on the Emmaus Road, this strange person. Isn't he strange? And he said, what, are you just a stranger here? For we had hoped that this Jesus had been the one to redeem us. Shattered dreams. And by the time they left that conversation, their hearts burned with the fire of the Holy Spirit and truth. That's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you this morning. Jesus says it's the understanding heart that's going to produce fruit. It's the understanding heart. What blocks the understanding of the heart? He said in one heart, Satan comes and immediately takes it away. The word is preached. They hear it. Satan takes away immediately. There's nothing. There's no transaction. It just doesn't do anything. The next one hear it, and with gladness, they receive it with gladness. And the first time someone says something to them, they call it scandalous, by the way. It's a scandal to them. Their family says, you're ridiculous. That's not true. You're believing in fables. You go to the workplace and they go, yeah, you're one of those. You're a Christian. Oh, good. You're not strong enough to live on your own two legs. Good for you. And they lose him. They let him slip away. Hebrews chapter 2. Be careful lest you let this slip away. Be careful. Beware. He'll slip away. He doesn't go anywhere. We go someplace. And the third and the greatest of the problems that he gave the most instruction about the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things. That's a pretty big topic right there. And you know what Jesus said? It chokes the word. It chokes the word. Do you believe this morning if you had X amount of dollars you'd be happy? That's a lie. Do you believe if you had X amount of things or somebody... You'd be happy? That's a lie. Do you know that your joy is centered in Jesus Christ and Him alone? Your relationship with Him? And it takes an understanding heart to know that. Now, I live in a world where I preach the gospel the best I know how. I give you the best that I know how to give you. I promise you that. I will give you whatever I believe in my heart, the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Christ gives to me to say. I give it to you as I know how. I lose friends over that. You know what I know? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If someone is offended because of the gospel, we need to start our own walk-away movement. Walk away. Amen? Yeah? Yeah? Here's what Jesus said. Do we bring a candle in 
and cover it with a bushel. Is that what you do with candles? You put them under the bed? You know what a candle did back in those days? It exposed everything in the room. It showed everything in the room. It gave us light to show and expose everything in the room. It's a revealer. And then Jesus says this. But there's nothing hid that will not be revealed. Neither anything kept secret, but that it should be that it should come abroad. Here's the thing. The light of the word of God. He's talking about the seeds, the word of God, the receptive heart, the understanding heart. He's like, I'll give you something else while you're on the understanding. The word of God will reveal those secrets in your heart. The light of the word of God, the light of the gospel will reveal to you those secrets that are in your heart. Anybody here read the Bible and didn't see themselves in there and say, I have some work to do? Anybody done that? Are you reading the Bible and going, I got it, I got it, I got it? Because I'd like to talk to you. I'd like to get it like that. I've never gotten it that way. I read the Word of God and my heart breaks. I read the Word of God and in that secret time, that time in the presence of the Holy Spirit, He'll break your heart. And He'll let you know very carefully, very quickly, you don't have it. You don't have all there is. You're not the centerpiece here. Jesus is. And his teaching and his doctrine through his word about the kingdom is for us to just take in and take in and learn and grow. You believe that? I have people tell me from time to time, I've been through that book, I got it, I know what it says. And they're hateful. They're classic ignorant people. They're so ignorant, it just oozes from them. But that statement shows their ignorance in a very general way. This book, according to Hebrews 4 and 12, is quick and alive and sharp. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, which is what our judgment's going to be about. The Lord's not going to ask me what I did. We're going to discuss why I did it. The Lord's not going to ask you what you did. He's going, to want to, he's going to declare to you, no lying to those eyes of fire, no lying to him. He's going to declare to you, no, no, this is why you did that. Now, you may have talked yourself into a different motive, but this is why you did that. I stand before the Lord if I killed a man. If I killed a man, the Bible says thou shalt not kill him. If I killed a man, do you believe there's a difference in saying this? He was trying to hurt my wife, and I, I stopped him, and it ended up in his death. Or he had a $100 bill and I was broke, so he wouldn't give it to me, so I took it. Is there a difference in those two things about killing a man? Is not motive the thing the Lord's looking for? Why did you do what you did? Why did you do it? You pick up your friend. You pick up your friend because they have no other means of getting where they need to go to take them to a doctor's appointment, to take them to buy some groceries. You pick up your friend and it ends in a fatal car wreck. God's not looking at it. He's looking at the motive. I didn't set out to hurt my friend and it breaks my heart and it messed my life up that person passed. And the guilt will set in. But the Lord says, I know why you did it. I know why you did it. To help your friend. I don't know. 
I don't know my last day here. I don't know when I'm going to go home, but I know how. The Lord's going to say, come home. I've got, I've got to go. That's the circumstance. Today I left my home this morning on my own two feet. By the end of the week, it may be on a gurney. I don't know. But I know this. When I go, I'm going to be home with the Lord. Do you know that? Do you have that peace in you that the Lord has called you and you've accepted the invitation and you're going to go home one day? Oh, I wouldn't live another way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't live another way. Everything will be revealed. Everything is going to be revealed. He says, take heed in what you hear and with what measure you meet. It shall be measured to you. Isn't this an interesting statement? We talked about it last week. It's in the middle of the parable in Matthew, but here it's at the end of the parable of the sower. And so it, it proves that this is a continuation of the same teaching. Unto he, him, her, unto them that have, the Lord says, more shall be given and they shall have in abundance. And unto them who have not... Even that they have will be taken away. And I've had more people come to me and say, what a mean cry, what a mean statement. Well, can I say this to you? There's nothing mean about it. When you realize he's talking about understanding, it makes perfect sense. If you have understanding, and the next thing you read in the Bible, you can add to what you know and gain more understanding, you'll have an abundance. If you don't have understanding, you'll be confused by the next thing you read and have less understanding. How do we get an understanding heart? By invitation. Lord, teach me. Are you brilliant? Well, I know, some, I know brilliant people. They embarrass me. I've never been brilliant. They don't have to ask the Lord what the Bible says. They already know. When they read it, they got it. They think it's like reading the paper or Newsweek magazine or the Wall Street Journal. They, hey, I, I know what words mean. I read that. I got it. My friends, some of my friends are brilliant. They got nothing. Until the Lord teaches you what he said, you'll never know it. That's why he said it's hidden from those people. It's hidden from those people. It's hidden from the proud and given to the humble. If you're willing to sit down with the Lord and say, Lord, I read that, and that's a beautiful passage. Now, <laughs> his disciples said it all the time. What, no, what do you mean? In the middle of the sower, they said, that's a great parable. What do you mean by that? And the Lord said, you don't know what that means? And they said, no, not really. And he said, if you don't know what that means, you're not going to understand what I say from here on. And he expounded to them when they were alone with the Lord. He said, unto you is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but unto them that are without, they don't understand. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you that it shall go abroad. Your job is to learn of me and then go and teach. Come and learn. Go and teach. That's to the 11 disciples that, that stayed and that's to you and me as well. That's to you and me as well. Are you teaching your fellow workers? Are you sharing the Christ with them? And do you back it up with a life that proves you believe it?
between conversations. Many, many Christians are incredible. Many Christians are incredible. They say one thing, they live another, they speak a different way, and people say, oh, that's Christianity, no thank you. And they have a point. Now, they're using that, but if we give the enemy great re reason to, to blaspheme, a cause of blaspheme, that's our deal. That's our deal. So here's what the Bible teaches in this passage to me. To the degree that we welcome God's word into our heart. To the degree that we welcome God's word into our heart and lives, that same degree, to that same degree, we are fruitful. We welcome it. We ask the Lord to open our hearts and teach us. 2 Corinthians 2 and 9, I think. 2 Corinthians 6 and 9, something. It's in 2 Corinthians. And let me tell you what it says. He that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. Amen? He that soweth, how? Bountifully. Shall reap bountifully. And then he says, the sower went forth to sow. And he sowed the seeds and he went about his daily life. He got sleep, he got up, he worked, he went about his day. And he said, the earth brought forth. The earth brought forth, and he didn't know how. He didn't know how it brought forth. He just knew he put seed down. That's all he knows. He knew he put seed down. He knows about the seed sowing. But the earth brought forth. Now, let me take you back to Genesis in chapter 1. Let's go back to Genesis. And not, don't turn there. I'm just going to tell you something about Genesis chapter 1. Read it very carefully. Here's the beauty of, of, to me, one of the great beauties of Genesis 1. And God said... And it was so. Do you believe it? And God said, let there be light, let this, let that, let that. Everything he said, he said it. You talk about authority. He said it, and it was so. And so everything that's created in this world, everything that is here, everything he gave to us, everything that he made, is because he said so. And I grew up in a house with a dad that lived like that. Why do I have to do it? He said, I said so, and I believed him. He was the authority, and he could take away his creation. I knew that. So here's the thing. God said, and it was so. Read the Bible. And it said, the earth brought forth. The earth brought forth seed and herb bearing and trees, plant life. The earth brought that forth. That's it says, the sea brought forth life in the sea, the fishes. The fishes of the sea were brought forth by the oceans. You believe it? Read it. What happens when anything that's created, when any living thing created is stripped and ripped from its source? It dies. Pull a tree from the ground. Pull a flower from the pot. Take a fish from the water. Take a star. It says the heavens brought forth constellation. Take a star. What do we have when a star falls out of its home? It burns up. Anything ripped from its source. That's the fight today in our country, folks. That's the fight in our country. Anything ripped from its source will die. 
there is in the created world, if you listen carefully, if you get along with God, there is in this created universe an ebb and a flow. There's a heartbeat to this world. Why do people lay on the ocean and say, I can't stay awake? Why? Because it's like a heartbeat. It's God's movement. It's the rhythm and the rhyme of the things of God. Why does a baby lay on his mother's breast and go to sleep? You can hear that heartbeat. They've heard that for nine months from the other direction, and now they're hearing it again, and it's comforting because it's what God put there. Why does a baby rip from his mother not do well? Why does a plant rip from the ground turn brown in three days? Why do the fish lay it on the dry ground? Well, they get kind of hard and scaly. Then they get putrefaction. You get it? That which is drawn away unnaturally, ripped from its source, will die. What did Jesus teach in his doctrine? God says, I create in them a new heart. I promise that. My children come to me and they ask me to be their Lord and Savior. And he said, I give them a new heart. And we go into the world and get distracted by the things that are the deceptions of Satan himself. And the Lord said, that heart's going to wither and die. It'll not produce fruit. It'll wither and die. And so we'll stand before the Lord one day and say, I believe you. And I think there are a lot of, lot of Christians going to stand before the Lord one day and say, I, I got saved. Yeah, you got saved. Huh? You're saved. You're a saved man. You're coming into the kingdom. But you bore no fruit. I can't reward your life because you bore no fruit. What has God gifted you with? We're all different. We're all different. What has God gifted you with? Go out there and gift the world with it. Tell them where you got it. Show them how you know it. And bless them with the truth of it. Go out in the world with the gift that God gave you, whatever it is, and say, this is my gift to you. It's my gift from him to you. Amen. I'm telling you now, this is the life that has joy. This is the life that has joy. The world's winding up right now. The world's winding up. There's anger. There's fear. There's hostility. There's all kinds of things. But let me tell you what the Bible says. The Lord puts up and takes down kings and rulers. The Lord puts rulers and takes them down. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? I'm glad every time he gives us one to bless us. It upsets me when we get a spanking from the Lord. Here's what you deserve. I'll give you the desires of your heart. But boy, you're going to have some lean souls for a while. The way it's going to be. Matthew 13 tells the whole... Matthew 13 is the parable of the king, the parables of the kingdom. And we find in there this, the Lord says, He that... He that hath, I'll give more, and he'll have in abundance. But he that hath not, I'll take away that he has. What is that? If you don't have understanding, folks, if you don't have understanding, pray for, beg for, study for, ask for understanding. The Lord promised he'll give it to you. Proverbs chapter 1, he says, I'll pour my spirit upon them and make my words known unto them. Couldn't be more clear. And that's in the King James that all you struggle with. That's that hard King James. I'm going to pour my spirit on you. That's rough. What does that all mean? That's King James. That's rough. Then I'll make my words known. Uh-oh. Make my words known. You're getting a translation if you have to that says, I'm going to dump it on you. 
and give it to you. If that's what you need, read it. But I'm telling you what the Lord's promise is if you come to him. And he says, if you do not refuse my invitation. I don't know about you, but there's, there's times I had nowhere else to go. There's times I had nowhere else to go. My dream was shattered. And you can come and love me. You can come and feel bad for me. You can hug me. You can read scripture with me. We can pray together. And that is so healing. I tell you, that, that, that is good. But the Lord's the only one that could fix it. I go to funerals and the families, oh, it's painful. It, it doesn't get any easier. And you know what I wish every time I stand there by a box containing the life of body of I, I wish I could fix it. The Lord didn't give me the power to raise the dead. He didn't give me the gift of tongues, but he gave me the gift of ears. And I can listen to him. And I can hear what he says. And I can thank him with my life. How many times in your home does the conversation turn to the goodness of the Lord? How many times when someone comes over or the kids do a thing, does the conversation turn to the goodness of the Lord? We have a problem in the church today of kids growing up and leaving the church. And so I started asking why they're doing it. Without fail, they said, Don, you don't know my parents. You know my Sunday parents. I know my Monday parents. Not the same. Lord, that shouldn't be. That should not be. My children have been in church since I've been preaching. been preaching 30 years. If I'm not the same man in the pulpit I am at the dinner table and in the backyard, I wish they'd tell me. Are you the same person in the pew as you are at the desk, at the workplace? Do people ask you, why are you so happy in a bad situation? Happiness doesn't have to be there. Happiness depends on happening, but you got this joy, the Lord says, unspeakable. I know this. And we live in a world now that's changed. They can kill you and they can eat you, but you're dead. I'd be quite a buffet. But I want to say this to you they can't have my soul. That's, that causes me to have a joy that knows this. It can't go that terribly wrong anymore. I can have a bad day. You can have a bad day. But it doesn't get so bad that the Lord's not there and you're not going home. You believe that? You're going to go home. You're going to go home. As a preacher, I spend way too much time at the hospital in the mortuary. More than I ever wanted to. More than I care to. Let me tell you this morning. There's a difference in the departing saved person and a lost person. There's a difference in the way we die. I can I'll make that statement. I can, I can pretty well go in after a death and see which way they went. The look on their face. The way the body's lying. Do you love the Lord this morning? Are you happy 
content with his grace. I grew up on a farm. We grew up in pretty much sparse living. We had a sparse living in our, in our family. Here's a word for some of you young people. We had linoleum and formica. We had, uh, oh, this is weird. Hang with me. We drank water out of the tap. Oh, I don't know what my dad was thinking. We used to put dinner in the oven and have to wait a couple hours to eat it. It was the strangest home. We had a black and white television with a plastic case on it. it looked like a suitcase. It had a handle on top. And I was the rabbit ears. I never saw the picture, but I always had to hear what the weather was. I stood behind there holding it like this. No, that's not right. And one time I remember this. My dad had me over there doing these acrobatic movements. It's okay. They were wrapped in aluminum foil. And I was doing that. And the weatherman was saying there was no chance of precipitation, but my dad couldn't hear it because the hail was beating on the picture window. <laughs> and all oh, that was a strange house. Here's what we did. We did the chores assigned to us or regretted the misstep. We came to the table and ate as a family. Here's what we did in the evening. And if you were staring at our phone all night, you were something wrong. It was just a little black phone with a rotary dial on it. No one stared at our phone. And uh, here's the thing. We didn't know how bad we had it. We thought we had it pretty good. Evening rolled around, and because of the day's activities, we were kind of glad to get supper and go to bed. Nobody was on drugs. Nobody had to take medication. No, you know what we had for medication? Iced tea and hot beef. And we slept good. We slept good. That's strange old historic stuff. My dad died in 1972, and if, I, if he came back here today and I said, well, I, I'm sorry I missed your call. I was watching my phone. He would have said, what, what is wrong with you? Staring at a telephone. <laughs> well, that's where the whole world is, you know. I had a man come to be a client of mine the other day, and he got in my chair and couldn't sit still. He's 65 years old. I said, what's the matter? He said, I forgot my phone. <laughs> I said, well, I'm, I'll talk right to you. This is going to be okay. I'm, gonna talk, I'm talking to the back of your head, but I'll talk loud. <laughs> Look at me in the mirror. We'll make it. He was a nervous wreck. You know why? His phone was home on the dresser. He got home, and I called him. I said, you okay? Did you miss anything cataclysmic happen while you were gone that you couldn't look up and Google and share with other people? He said, no. Our phone rang twice a week. There were 107 people living in our house. Our phone rang twice a week. If you don't know, there were 12 kids in our family. That's 14 people. That's a lot of people around the supper table. And folks, that's a lot of potatoes and beans, and I enjoyed it every time we sat down to them. Never got tired of it. Still like them. We sat down there, and the phone would ring. 
the phone conversations were about anywhere from 30 seconds to 35 seconds. Unless the girls were on there and my dad said, you got three minutes, get off. <laughs> girls, listen, thir three minutes, get off. Still alive. Made it right through that. Took my daughter to junior high school one day and I was sitting there watching that. At the time the phones were coming out and the girls came out. Now, my daughter was thrilled to come get in my car because I stood up every day. Here I am, baby. <laughs> come on, your daddy's here. Come on over. Guess what caused her heart trouble? But I sat there and watched these kids, and they came out, and they came out in sections of three and four and five, and they'd come out and congregate, and then five of them would go a little bit farther ahead, 20 feet farther ahead of the other kids, and then five of them would stand back, and they'd all pull their phones out, and all two groups talk to each other on the way home. I don't know what the definition of stupid is, <laughs> but I know this has to be uh, A, B, or C on the list. You know what the fun out of school after school was? Fellowship, talking to your friends, pushing them on the ground, saying silly stuff. Folks, I want to end this message with this. The Bible says, the Lord said, this, this thing started like a mustard seed. The thing that started with 11 disciples. 11 understanding disciples that came to an understanding after the Lord raised himself from the dead. They didn't understand it. That's what the Emmaus Road is about. That's what the gospel's about. The Lord every now and then, read your Bible. It's, it's, it's a book of, it's got humor. The Lord said, you, okay, you guys understand? They go, yeah, we get it. He goes, you do? <laughs> Peter, look at your face. <laughs> your face doesn't understand it. You guys get this? Yeah, we got it, Lord. He said, okay. <laughs> and, and then Peter made a great confession, didn't he? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know what the Lord said? You didn't come up with that by yourself. That's not from you. The Holy Spirit gave you that. You're a blessed man. You know who's a blessed man? The person who the Holy Spirit teaches the Word of God to, it's a blessed man. You got a blessing. You got a blessing. It is my frustration of life. I have one great frustration. I know where I'm going to die. My wife and I don't fuss. Uh, she knows I'm right. We, we have a good life at home. We don't fuss. We don't have money trouble. The kids are all grown. We got nothing to fight about. I even painted the living room pale yellow because you wanted it that way. I didn't fuss. Didn't go in there, <laughs> but I didn't fuss. Thank God in my prayers. She came in two weeks later and said, I can't stand it either. Painted something else, so I did. <laughs> Not what I thought it would be. But we didn't fuss about it. You want to know Why? Because if you get any age on you and any understanding, you learn there are things not worth fussing about. And if you're a couple that wants to stay fussing all the time, you have an immaturity in you that needs to be driven out of there like the plague. That division is ridiculous. You know what it is? It's keeping going. You know why? Somebody's got to win. 
I want to tell you something. I got married three and a half years ago, and I won. That was a victory. I won. I have someone to get old with. Someone who believes the same Christ, I believe. Someone who reads the Bible when I'm reading my Bible and brings it and lays it on my desk and says, what do you, what do you get from that? What is that? You know what we talk about? If it's in the realm of business, if it's in the realm of home life, if it's just relationships, if it's our kids, if it's our finances, we talk about how good God is. I'm not bragging. I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm telling you that's the way the Lord has helped me to see it. He's good. He's good. I've been on the table twice when the doctor said, you might not get off of here. We're going to work on your heart some. Well, I've been there three times now. Here I am. I'm down to where you can't see me if I turn sideways, but I'm here. <laughs> you know why? And God said, and it was so. The last, the last doctor came in the room after he worked on my heart. He looked down at me, looked at my wife, looked up at the bag of drip, and he said this. I don't know how you walked in here this morning. I don't know how you came across the parking lot and walked in and got in this bed. And I said, I was kind of grumpy, kind of cross with you. You didn't believe me. And he said, that drip bag is giving more fluid than your heart was giving your entire body. I don't know how you've lived this long you should not be here. I got on the table and I said, Doc, he was talking about a birthday party with his co-workers there. They were getting ready to work on me. And he said, my youngest is turning 12 and we have a big birthday party planned tonight. And I laid there on that ice-covered steel beam <laughs> with zero between me and it. And I thought, they distract you pretty good here. <laughs> they distract you. He said, can you lay still? And I said, I'll try. I'm laying on a coat hanger, but whatever. He said, lay right there. I did that. And honestly, laying on that beam hurt worse than the surgery I ever did. They went up my arm, across my chest, down in my heart. And when he hit the block, I said, that's it. He said, you know that? I said, I sure do. That's where it's been hurting for 62 years. But I said to him, when are, we gonna, when are you going to get in there? When are you going to be in that block? When are you going to hit that? He said, when I hit that artery, there's a very good chance the way it's built in there that your heart's going to stop and the best surgeons in the world can't start it again. And that's why I don't want to go in there, but I don't have to. And I said, well, trust me, you have to. And I'm good with either way, but you need to today. And he said, okay. And here's what he said. I'll be in there. It takes about, from where I'm going up your arm to that block, it takes about nine minutes. And he, I felt him on the other side of the, of the plastic curtain there. I felt him rub my arm with some cleaner. I felt him put some numb on it, and I felt him cut me. And he said, we're ready to go. Are you ready? And I said, do I have a choice? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm going to do my part. And I said, uh, what time is it? I looked at the clock and I said, I gave a time. And I said, in nine minutes, I may see the Lord face to face. And I want you to know something. If he says so today, if he says so, and I'm done, 
you go home and have that birthday party with your daughter and enjoy every minute. I'm fine. Don't you feel bad. 